I am a woman of distinction, recklessly beautiful and untamed. My heart is splayed wide open for I not only trust the process, but I trust the force in which each one of my feet hits the ground and my ability to maneuver them through the joys and grief I face each day. I walk tall, taller than an old cypress tree because I am at home in my skin. My self-worth lives in each nook and cranny of my spine. It is not attached to exterior what have yous like money, a piece of paper, a house, a car, this world's approval, a ring, or success. My success is in presence. I am present in the humans I stumble upon like heartbeats at first light and in the night. I salsa dance bare-bummed with bronze skin and white cheeks. Let the music sway and bend and dip my spirit with the grace of a dozen fireflies drunk on the moon's wine. I am dripping in salt browned from the sunshine and barefoot in my beauty. I am not afraid to tell you that I am beautiful because I have done the work to be at home in my soul's skin. I do not shrink to accommodate the insecurities of those around me, but stand tall to remind them gently, why crouch? My body may be a bag of meat, a vessel for the magnificence I hold inside, but cherish each scar on my chin, each freckle, each voluptuous sun-bleached curl, each inch of my breasts. I walk with my head held high when I walk into the room because I know there is space for me in this world, however I may come. I show this world my tears and my laughter unashamed. I know better than to try and fix or heal the suffering of this world. I know that by healing my suffering, I heal this world. I am a woman of distinction and I am not afraid to love you before you are ready. I am not afraid to move faster or slower than the expectations we lay on vulnerability and opening. I open at my will. I open at the first drop of a breeze, at a smile from the man sitting with a green top hat that I pass in a taxi cab. I open fearlessly and sweetly and ferociously with all the might I can for what is good, what good is living if we are not loving? I am here to love and love I will. I am a woman of distinction and I am not a victim of circumstance. I feel when things are out of alignment and I move from them with as much grace as I enter. I show up for this world. I set boundaries with ease that honor me. I understand that no is self-love and everything after no is unworthiness. I am worthy, darling. Oh, so deliciously worthy. I am authentic as hell and can bring the taste of bullshit from a mile away. I spit out societal Kool-Aid laughing and write my own Bible. I ground, ground through movement, through dance, through the sea. I drink the ocean for breakfast and kiss the red dirt for dessert. I do not keep my freedom in a cage that requires six whiskeys to be let loose. I dance and shimmy and shake and love my way through life. I am a woman of distinction. You will feel me when I walk into the room. Hello. That was I Am a Woman of Distinction by Jane Robinson from her book, This is for the Women Who Don't Give a Fuck. Wow, wow, wow. It is a must read for all of the Bettys. Really? Yes. I've never even heard of this book. She is a thought catalog writer mm. um, and she's Canadian, but I found her through just through Instagram, I think. Is that where you publish your stuff sometimes? No, I've never published on thought catalog, but I did do a writer's workshop with them where do you publish your poems harness magazine okay but yeah jane is uh 
she's a coach. She's a writer. She's just kind of, she's a surfer, which is what I really love. She posts all these like incredible photos of her surfing with her friends. Um, she's lived like all around the world and she's from Edmonton, Alberta, which is close to where I'm from. Very cool. Well, thank you for opening this episode with such a special reading. It's a special episode. It's a special episode. We're giving thanks today. Yeah, we are. We are creating space and just taking a beat through this year to celebrate some of the women that we love and that we're thankful for. And I feel like oftentimes, you know, the media, as we dissect over and over again, is not really kind to women. But something I've also noticed is we don't also celebrate the successes of women and what they've accomplished. So this will be a fun episode to just kind of, I mean, really just a handful of some of our faves. Although if you're out there and you're doing the work, thank you. Yeah, I think 2018 has been such a heavy year. You know, we don't need to, we get into it every week on Wednesdays, why this year has been so insane. Really, I mean, the problems that we're facing this year have been in existence for many, many centuries. But I think what we want to do today is just really, as you were saying, celebrate the women who are championing, advocating, fighting, marching, and creating the change they want to see for all of us. And I feel very grateful. Yeah, me too. People are doing the work. They're getting out there. They're using their voices. We've really sparked something. We, as a culture, (laughs) have really sparked something incredible. Yeah. Um, And it'll be nice to kind of celebrate it with you this morning. We love it. Who do you want to start with? I am going to start with, and again, these are in no particular order. Um, It was really hard to narrow it down. And I think I tried to kind of keep it to Hollywood, but I also ended up including women in politics as well, because how could we not give a shout out to all of the incredible women who are uh, advocating in very big ways for us? So I would like to start out with Eva Vives, who is the director of All About Nina, which is a movie. You love this movie. I really loved this movie. It was my favorite of the year. So I'm going to talk about it again on our best of 2018 episode. But I really want to express my gratitude to Eva um, for putting her own story of sexual assault and personal background in the film. And I just find her bravery so inspiring and like I said, All About Nina is my favorite film of the year. I just thought it was absolutely groundbreaking. Um, I was really reluctant to go into it because we'd had a particularly heavy week that week and um, women were kind of feeling all the feels and I was really nervous to go in, but it ended up being so therapeutic and so cathartic. And uh, I just, I love her. She's directed three other projects, but this is really what she's known for. It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was at the screening I went to and answered questions after the film and their sisterhood is just so inspiring to me. How can we watch this film? It was in theaters. It did a big theatrical run and I think it probably is still in theaters now probably transitioning out. So keep an eye out for it. Maybe follow it on Instagram. Yeah. And see when it comes. Yeah. I follow Super Vivas is uh, what her handle is. So if you want to follow along what the film is doing, um, Definitely check that out. An interesting thing about all about Nina is that it wrapped and was, you know, completely done post-production before Me Too really kicked off last fall. Um, So obviously taken in the context of the last year, it's incredibly powerful to see the lead character telling her story and really trying to figure out um, her personal background with her kind of professional ambitions. But 
it's a strong movie regardless. I, I think it just is really, it's very timely. It didn't mean to be timely, but uh, it's really set up in a beautiful way. Everything is timely now, isn't I it? I know, yeah. It's just almost into alignment. I just published um, a music video called Mr. Weinstein Will See You Now on Feminist Wednesday, and um, it's this really bone-chilling song. And the music video is all these women in white men's shirts in a hotel room. And it's like as the camera pans, more women are revealed. And it's the most, uh, I think bone chilling is a good description. It's emotional. It's um, it's exceptional. It's beautifully done. And um, it's quite terrifying. and But in a good way. Yeah. Like I feel like for art to grab you in four minutes and make you really shake you is powerful um also very timely to (laughs) to this conversation and and one of the editor's picks which i picked for this week so if people want to check it out they can go to feministwednesday.com yeah that sounds amazing definitely need to look at it um but speaking of all the heaviness i think somebody that really popped into my brain immediately was tiffany haddish and the joy that this woman brings on screen and to her work it kind of reminds me of dolly parton in the sense that like Everybody levels up their game when she comes because she gives it gives 100% when she's on set. And I feel like seeing Tiffany at the red table and seeing her interviews with Ellen. I mean, I think I probably did a deep dive on YouTube of her story and her experiences. She's never not joyful. And she's never not like giving this light and this exuding this happiness and this gratefulness to be where she's at. And um, there's this really great story where she wrote Oprah all these letters and Ellen like surprises her with Oprah and she like holds Oprah to the fact that she never wrote her back and was like Oprah I'm still waiting like it's just it's so brilliant and she's just seems like such a kind soul and I'm really I'm really glad we have her in Hollywood and they just came out with a movie with where she plays the side sister and Whoopi Goldberg is in it and it's like give this woman her own movie like she needs to be a box office star yeah, I mean, she's very Whoopi Goldberg to me. I think that her mm. like whole career trajectory really reminds me of Whoopi Maybe Goldberg. Maybe we should do a act with Tiffany Haddish. Let's give her her own movie. Okay. Let's give her original <laughs> content. <laughs> I think she's going to win an Oscar in the next three years, and I mm. hope that Hollywood is ready to give her Space. dynamic roles, better roles. I think that I would just... She's had such a meteoric rise, and I really hope she can sustain it because... There's not a lot of space given to that type of character. As we've seen with Whoopi Goldberg, she, like, she had to fight tooth and nail throughout God, her I entire career. Whoopi Goldberg. So I think I'm really curious to see like how where she goes from here. I'm definitely watching. It'll For be sure. interesting. Um, one of the women, I think, in keeping with amazing, hilarious women that we want to honor this year, I got to give a shout out to Constance Wu. She's on my list, too. I mean, what can we say about her? Everyone knows she's like... She's the next Julia Roberts. She's incredible. She's obviously championing Asian American voices and stories in Hollywood, which is, I think, something that continually is never served, never talked about. Nobody's ever really addressing it. Um, Crazy Rich Asians this year was insanely popular, and I think it just goes to show that when we showcase these stories, when we tell narratives that aren't just about white heterosexual people... 
people watch them. People pay money for them. Audiences love it. And I think she represents how Hollywood is going to have to start shifting in big ways to start matching the country in which they operate. Yeah, I think one of the really fun things about Crazy Rich Agents is that she plays this very um, vulnerable and relatable, like, all-American romantic lead. And then she's also able to play this, like, neurotic tyrant on the small screen with Fresh Off the Boat. And I just think she has such a breadth of her... There's so many layers to her as an actress. And I I don't know. I just... I think she's amazing. And I also think that her relationship with her husband on Fresh Off the Boat, like, shows that women can be neurotic and tyrants and you know full of love and men can give them the space to just to live their lives and I think that's a great message as well I love Constance Wu yeah definitely on my list as well (laughs) I mean I think she's on all of our lists she's just really had an incredible an incredible year this year but also she's been doing the work forever I was like reading quotes on her IMDb page and she talks about like yeah, you know, I haven't really worried about like what roles I've been taking because I've been trying to pay my rent. And like, she's like very salt of the earth and understands that it's a hustle and understands that like, this is not glamorous. This is a lot of work to get to these places. And people tend to oversimplify it a lot, especially once they do get to the top. And I love that she just continues to talk about the work of it and Mm -hmm. the practice of it. Um, So I'm really excited to see. I mean, she's going to be around forever. She's a superstar and I'm thrilled that she's had the year she's had for sure um another woman in hollywood that i don't think we can speak more highly of this year in the work that she's doing for women i know she's on your list too is reese witherspoon um the og for taking a seat at the table for producing writing creating content she wants to see in the world and now she's doing this series where she's working with young filmmakers i mean she stepped in this year she inspires me every damn day I, like, wait to see her Instagram stories. I wait to see, like, what they're announcing. She has, like, 10 projects coming I mean, out. it's outrageous. I think that given her status in Hollywood, she could have easily stayed out of politics and just, like, continued on the path forward that Hollywood had, like, finally accepted her into the upper echelon. She's an Oscar winner. She's Golden Globe winner. And it wasn't enough. No. And she's chosen to do the exact opposite to what I'm sure everyone was telling her to do, which is just shut up and keep taking on the success. Yeah. And she's now just championing in such an incredible way. And I mean, Big Little Lies rocked me to my core. Um, Wild was absolutely exceptional. Um And I think she's so real about, again, the work it takes as a woman in Hollywood to be taken seriously, even at the status that she enjoys. She still had to come out swinging with her production company and show the men, essentially, that these stories matter and that they must be heard. Um, So, yeah, I just can't say enough about Reese. 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 I also like that she's taking the time, too, and, like, examining her privilege. And I know her and Mindy Kaling have talked about making more space for women of color. And mm-hmm. I think um, as white women, we need to be examining that and thinking about that and, and thinking about that when we vote. And so I, I appreciate that she's having those conversations. Definitely. Yeah. She's constantly challenging herself and, and putting herself in the way of difference and in the way of things that are pushing her boundaries. Or at least that's that's how it looks from... <laughs> A fan's as point of view. As we're projecting yeah, like I we know. know. Miss like Witherspoon. Championing all Race. the things. But um, truly, I think 
watching her at the Golden Globes. Oh my God, in January. Can't believe that was almost a year ago, but all the lead actresses brought an activist as their date and everyone wore black and everyone was just shouting times up from the rafters and it was exceptional. And she was very, she was at the pinpoint of that. So very cool. We love you, Reese. We love you, Reese. That leads in well to my next person who is Tarana Burke, who is the founder of Me Too. She um, used the phrase, I think it was five years ago on Twitter as a way to show solidarity with victims and survivors of sexual assault and harassment. And she carries herself and this movement with just so much vision and so much poise. I've seen her interviewed with Trevor Noah and she was exceptional at just not only making people who are a part of the movement feel seen, but bringing other people in and helping them understand why this is important. Um, so I really, really love her. I will say another thing too about um, her is she actually did an interview on Reese's podcast or the Hello Sunshine podcast, and she talks about like the healing half of Me Too, and I feel like that's not a conversation we tend to have a lot of. Yeah. Um, especially uh, like in the terms of assault and like what you do afterwards. Um, I think those conversations are so deeply important, and I'm glad she's also continuing to champion those as well. That's so fascinating that you say that. Why? The heal- well, the healing aspect of Me Too. I mean, this came on as such a like wildfire last year um, with the kickoff with Harvey Weinstein and everything. But we're almost talking about how those men can start coming back and redeem themselves before we've even talked about healing for the survivors. Mm. So, like, I just thought of that right now. That's such a, like... <laughs> fucked up thing well, it, was, it was really it's an intense um interview because she it's a it's a conversation that she also has with her daughter who's also a sexual assault survivor and i think that would really throw such a a gut-wrenching loop in your conversation to know it's happened in your family and that you know generationally you're having to deal with this issue And one of the things that she says that has always kind of stuck with me is like, you need to seek joy. Mm. Like we can get really trapped in the pain and the hardship of it because it is deeply painful Um, and kind of choosing every day to figure out how do we survive and how do we create a space or an environment that we feel safe in and what ways and steps can we do that? And it was kind of on like a micro level. Mm -hmm. And I remember... um, just being in like the office and like having to like have coping mechanisms to be able to get through day to day and things yeah. like that. Wow. And Lady Gaga at one point was talking with Joe Biden about doing some kind of um, some kind of aftercare yeah. so that there is the therapy and the tools and the conversation to be had because we have all of these. This is I'm going to kind of go in a different direction, but I was talking to a friend who was. And I've been doing Reiki, and part of my Reiki is, like, my feminine energy is broken. And I was talking to this other woman, and she was doing some life coaching, and she was talking about her feminine energy being disconnected. And I'm wondering how many of us choose to disconnect from the thing that is our fire because we want to stay safe and we want to exist in the world. And there's so much healing that I think we need to do as a culture and that we need to celebrate um, that we don't do. So I think there's a lot of work to be done there. It's almost self-preservation. I've been feeling it a lot lately. I, I think just like a not knowing what where we go next, not knowing like what I'm bringing to the conversation, not knowing like what conversations we should be having that we haven't even thought of yet. Um, 
And I think it takes a lot of, it's like a fantasy of mine to interview Gloria Steinem about this because she's been a part of this movement for decades. And I almost want to ask her, like, have you ever wanted to just drop out for a year Mm. or drop out like for a while just to give yourself like a break from it? And is that okay? And like, what does that look like? And should we feel ashamed that we want to like to take a step back? You know, like how do we stay engaged in a way that we're still evoking self-care and it still is, it still feels productive as on a personal level is a conversation we've continued to have throughout the year. And I would say, I think there's always ebbs and flows in the, in your level and your commitment to be alert and active. You know, I feel like, especially like with the election and the internet and Facebook, it's like, you do have to figure out your boundaries. And I do think it's okay to take breaks I think as long as you don't like exit the building. Yeah. But I think everyone needs their moments and their spaces where they can just breathe. Yeah. Because if you're cent- if you're not centered and grounded, you can't have these conversations. Yeah. And you just feel overwhelmed and like the world is crumbling around you. For sure. Which when we're getting it every single day, there's a new story and a new, I mean, it's so easy to feel, it's so easy to let, to bury yourself. Completely. I think it's so easy to feel if you don't feel like you have anything to offer the conversation, it all just washes over you and your boundaries are completely broken down. You don't have any way, any filter anymore of like sorting through information and figuring out, you know, I have something to offer that or I want to know more about that. It almost like drains your curiosity in a way. Mm. And I think how do we remain curious? How do we remain open is going to be a conversation well into next year, but and forward is just how do we remain engaged? And I think that um, Tarana Burke is one of those people and a leader in the feminist movement who, God bless her, like remains engaged and and not only that, but shows us a direction to move forward. Um, so it's it's incredible, amazing. Another woman who I um deeply love is uh, Serena Williams. Yes, and her desire to be unapologetically the best in the world. I think. I remember being at like a women's conference or somewhere and someone was like, how many of you want to be the best in the world at what you do? And like three women raised their hands. And I think there is such a shame for us wanting to step into our power and us wanting to be the best. And we got to get over it. And we need to claim that space. And I love that Serena does that almost seamlessly. It's like such a part of her personality to just be that aggressive athlete. Well, it's been her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. She's been groomed for this. And I think it's, it's such a fantastic thing to see, especially now with the vulnerability of her motherhood um, and not shying away from the discrimination that she's faced and, and with the challenges of being a mother, I think is, is spectacular. And I love this new, you know, this new light that we're seeing of her. What did you think about all the controversies around the f- tennis finale and her being shamed essentially for calling out the umpire who was not being fair to her in any way? I feel like there were a lot of weird perspectives about this because everyone was saying, you know, if she was a man, you know, nobody would have said anything to her. And then at the same time, they were saying she was taking the light away from the young lady that did win. And so I almost feel like I don't know enough about tennis (laughs) to really make a formal comment. Yeah. Um, But I will say Serena has been targeted by the Tennis Association for what she's been wearing, how she speaks, how she dresses. I mean, she's 
for her to be the best athlete in the world in this space and for them to still not take her seriously must drive her goddamn crazy. Yeah. And so I also, when we see moments where our heroes break down and lose it, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Falter for it, honestly. No, I, I think, yeah, it, the, I don't know enough about tennis either. I just thought all those conversations were so, so many of them were so problematic. Yeah. Um, and then others, it was hard to find like a level opinion about it that wasn't just inflammatory. Right. It was like insane. Cuckoo crazy. I agree. Um, another woman I got to give a huge shout out to, I know she's on your list too, or I believe she's on your list, is Lizzo. Lizzo! <laughs> um, this woman has come up in, I think, like at least 10 conversations I've had this year and over the past couple of years. Really? But yeah. For those of you who don't know, she's a rapper who is so body positive and like unapologetically confident. She's like confident. life positive. Oh my God. She's amazing. Yeah. If her, like follow her on Instagram immediately because all of her posts are such a breath of fresh air. I feel like Instagram, I mean, this I is... I feel like Lizzo's the new Beyonce. I think she's way more effective than Beyonce in a way because Beyonce's never been this never named it yeah Beyonce like took a long time to come to a lot of things whereas I feel like Lizzo and granted I think Beyonce like paved the way for a lot of of course these conversations to happen but Lizzo is just like on a different level yeah she really is anyone yeah I feel like scrolling through Instagram I see the same like thin white beautiful models who all look the same modeling the same clothes modeling the same things all the pictures look the same and then Lizzo pops up and I'm just like (laughs) this is what I live for it makes me feel so good about myself and like where I'm at and like I don't need to fit into it sounds so silly but you don't need to fit into like the norms the normal beauty standards she's just like there's a place for everyone and I think Lizzo not to mention her music's incredible. Took a DNA test and I'm 100% that bitch is <laughs> the best line that's ever been uttered. Um, but yeah, I love her. I just, she was like top of mind for me when I started making this list. Yeah, I agree. She's on mine as well. And I think there's something, well, she showers us with the self-love for sure. Yeah. But there's so much power in the music and there's so much unapologetic, like I'm a bad bitch. Like yeah. the whole thing is just like it's almost, yeah, it's like a Nicki Minaj, Beyonce. Like, she throws your head, like, right in the water. For sure. Like, you feel, you feel when you're listening to her music, like, you can yeah, take on the world. And unlike Nicki Minaj and Beyonce, I think for Lizzo, like, it's very much community-driven. Like, it's her and her girlfriends almost in the car listening to these songs. Like, it's, you really get that sense of, like, sisterhood with her. Um, She has a great quote that I found where it, she talks, it's, she was asked what advice she would give to her 15 year old self. And she said, I would tell her, you know what, girl, I'm going to let you finish because everything you're doing right now is going to create the person I am today. I don't want to change who you are because I think the struggle is what makes me special. Mm. And I just think that's so, the permission granting there is so powerful. She was on a RuPaul as a judge and they did a lip sync to her song. Amazing. Which was phenomenal. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, another lady that I just am obsessed with and who always is on my dream board, like anytime I put Hollywood stuff together is Tracy Ellis Ross. I think she's like my Instagram best friend. Um, and I just really love her. I think she's incredible and 
I think she can do no wrong in my eyes. And I love everything that she wears and everything that she does. And I'm just into her. I just, that's it. She's silly as hell. And she's so funny in all of her Instagram stories. Have you seen her getting her hair done? And she's just trying to like show the secrets of how they do her hair for the show. But her. Yeah, every, I'm please. I'm always on her. Her stylist like won't give up her secrets. And it's just like, I love it. It's so good. Um, and keeping the same lines, Diana Guerrero, uh, who was in Orange is the New Black, um, has had quite the year. I feel like she's really like blossomed into her own superstardom in a big way. She, uh, her family was deported when she was a kid. Um, she's also the host of the Hello Sunshine podcast, is she not? I don't, I don't, I've never listened to the Hello Sunshine. I believe she is. Amazing. We'll just say that. I don't know if it's true, but. But she's been very vocal about immigration rights, especially families being separated at the border. Um, and I think what I admire so much about her and what I'm so grateful for for her is that she's taking big risks and being so political at the beginning of her career. Mm. And this is something that I wish more actresses and more celebrities would have done when I was young is taken these risks and shown me and given me permission in a way to like do the same. Absolutely. I think the celebrities we grew up with were so reluctant to get involved in political conversations because they were chomping at the bit to just even work in their own industry. And I think it's so amazing now the way that young women can look up to actresses who are, who are part of these conversations and who are making their politics almost a part of their brand. Absolutely. And America Ferrer is in the same vein as that, you know, this just becoming the norm, which I think is really positive to see. Someone kind of in that same vein for me has been um, June Diane Raphael, who is like originally like a comedy like podcaster. And it's interesting. I've listened to her for many years on the podcast that she does with her partner um, and Jason Manzukas, the How Did This Get Made? And she wasn't super feminist with love. And when they would talk about gender, Jason would usually actually be the one who would talk about like marginalization and, you know, he was a little bit more like on the level and through the election, we have seen her like blossom into this wildfire of a woman. Um, And she actually started this, the Jane club, which basically is like the wing on steroids. (laughs) It offers childcare, um, car detailing, you know, obviously a place for you to co-work um, food to take home. And basically the theme behind it is like women can't thrive if they just feel like they're surviving. Mm. And we need to give women a leg up to be able to like manage their lives and their households and their careers. Um, and it's been fascinating to hear her kind of step into her politics. I know she's writing a book now about how women can run for office. I mean, this she's like the light is green now. And we are really seeing it, and it's really spectacular. That's so cool. She also has some phenomenal views on motherhood mm. and the the way that we treat mothers in our society. And yeah, wow, wow, wow. Obsessed. The political women are on fire this year. You got to do it. Love it. Um, going off of that, Kamala Harris is on my list. I feel like, so she is the senator for California. And she, during the Kavanaugh hearings, I literally felt like she was the surrogate in the room for women and women of color and everyone who was just outraged by what was happening. And I love the way that she was outspoken afterwards and had Cory Booker and her both walked out of the vote and basically just ensured that we all felt supported and seen and talked about everything that was happening in a way that felt very 
not almost like non-political in the way that it was like commonsensical. Like this is an outrage. We're all on the same page and I want you to know I'm advocating for you. And I think the way she handled um, Christine Blasey Ford's testimony, the way that she handles herself just in the public eye um, is really inspiring to me. And I know she has absolutely no plans to run for president, but (laughs) you're with her if she does. I can't vote, but would love to. She'd have my vote. (laughs) Another lady that I think is really doing the work is um, Bob Bland, and she is one of the founders of the Women's March. And for some reason, I am Facebook friends with her. Amazing. And I don't know how or why, but like I consider myself a feminist and an activist. I would consider you a feminist. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's pretty. But I, I also consider myself a bit of an activist. But like this girl does the work. She's going to Florida to register people to vote. She was in the room for the Kavanaugh hearing screaming at people like she live streams all this stuff and I get to see it. And I'm just like, wow, like you are really doing the work. And it's incredible and it's remarkable. And she has like three kids. She just had a baby at the Women's March um, two years ago, was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, it's amazing. I feel like she's on the level, and I'm, I'm very thankful that we're Facebook friends and I get to live vicariously through the work she's doing. It's incredible. That's pretty amazing. And I'm glad that the Women's March has continued to be part of the conversation. Yeah. You know, they could have easily been like, well, we did our march, that and was it was great. <laughs> but they really used it to continue to champion so many different issues from gun violence to the Kavanaugh hearings to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, bravo to those ladies. Yeah. Another woman who's continuing to do the work and who I wish I was Facebook friends with is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's the youngest woman ever nominated to Congress. She's Kent's 29. future wife. Yes. Just putting it out there. Planting she's, a seed. She's 29 years old. And I've been following her ever since she beat uh, the Democratic incumbent, Joseph Crowley, in June. Full disclosure, I did not know who she was before that. And I'm not sure people outside of New York would know who she is either. I don't think she was involved in politics until pretty recently. Until she got involved in politics. Until now she is. Um, She is such a powerful, positive force for women. I love how she handles herself. I love how she... Everything that she's ever said that I've watched is just has my head like nodding off of my body in agreement. <laughs> um, she was a bartender this time last year. I know Sal has been served drinks from her. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah. Which bar? <laughs> That's amazing. That's the end of the story. That's all um, I got. And she's a self-described democratic socialist, and she's of Puerto Rican descent, born in the Bronx. She's just salt of the earth, beautiful person. And I think the cool thing is, like, we're already seeing her call out, like, discrimination in the White House. And, you know, she's already tweeting and sharing, like, insider stories and things like that about her discrimination, how everyone thinks she's an intern or a wife. And, yeah. um, and you know, holding Amazon accountable as they try to shimmy their way into our big city so i think it's i'm she's already she's trucking kent we're praying for you (laughs) and her to to find your way together um gosh this is kind of going in a different direction but liz gilbert always one of my faves and um i just want to thank her for sharing her grief with us and for sharing the joy through her pain of losing her partner um and also for writing an article that inspired the movie coyote ugly which i never knew oh i didn't know that either yeah I need more information. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess she wrote like a piece about being a bartender in New York or I don't know. That's that's all the information. But I loved Coyote Ugly as a young person. Did you ever see this movie? Yes. 
and inspired me to buy a pair of pleather pants at like the have you been to the bar no is it does it exist here yes i don't need to it's literally just right over there in the east village actually also sang one of the songs from the soundtrack at my grandmother's funeral (laughs) (laughs) way to bury the lead not the can't fight the moonlight but i bought the soundtrack and leanne rhymes does another song about something sad and me and my aunt chrissy sang a coyote ugly song at my grandmother's funeral oh my god you just got added to my list of women i'm grateful for (laughs) (laughs) it's like the most aaron bagwell thing i've ever said in my life oh wow and i was like 14 who were you before i met you (laughs) same person yeah it's all been the same. That's amazing. Wait, so I don't even remember. Oh, Liz Gilbert is who you're grateful <laughs> <laughs> I want to go see the bench that she dedicated to Rhea mm. in the in Tompkins Square I Park. I get so mad when I see her on Instagram. She's in New York because <laughs> I'm like, how can I find her? Yeah. Like, she's just she out just, and about. She pops in, she pops out, yeah. and I'm like, I just want to know where you're at so I can have coffee with you and just I look into like your eyes. She spends a lot of time in the East Village. She's mm. always taking pictures That's in the her East spot. Village. And Central Park, so there's a little bit of a gap. Okay. <laughs> so just stake, just stake out those two places. Yeah. I can't wait for her to bring her podcast back. I hope she does. Is she going to? I don't know. All right. Well, hopefully she does. Yeah. Um, capping this off in line with Kamala Harris, uh, on my list are Anita Hill and Christine Blasey Ford, who both testified against. Bowing down. Yep. Bowing down. I, the pinnacle of strength and just how, I I think it really showed all of us who are a part of this, who are identified as feminists, who are a part of these conversations, showed us how we can never give up the fight Mm. and we can never sit back and expect people to hand us anything. Sometimes you have to put yourself on the line. And I was really nervous. I talked about it on a few episodes back about Christine Blasey Ford coming forward and she was getting death threats. She had to move her family twice. Four times now. Four times now. Um, And I think watching her testify will go down as like one of the most incredible moments of my life. I journaled while I was watching it because I just felt so, I felt like I was in the room with her. I could feel like my friends were texting me. Like everyone was just in such close contact that day and it was just so powerful. And I just have to extend a huge amount of gratitude to her and Anita Hill um, who are just doing the fight and putting themselves at the center of it. Wow, you should read us your journal entry from that day. I should. I want to know. I can't even remember what I wrote now, but... Um, I'd also like to thank and share my gratitude for Janet Mock, um, for championing trans women and for creating an inclusive identity for what it means to be a woman. And also just for being like, she's one of those people that I feel like I would get a drink with. And like, I think I would be friends with. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like it's so like, even the people she picks for her podcast are so smart. Like she's talking to like Beyonce's mom. And like Chris Kardashian, like she, she's getting to the root of where we're at as a culture, um, you know, and she's written so much. And I just think she's, she's one of those people who really stepped into being a role model and embraced it and thrived in it. And then now is using it to, you know, work on shows like Pose. And I just, I want to continue to see her star rise 
And I just, I really like her. I also think her love story and talking about her partner is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Um, and she does a beautiful Oprah super soul. I will also say though, that I think Janet Mock has done enough of telling us her trans story. And I would love for people when they interview her to just let her be a person. Yeah. I think sometimes we get like very obsessed with people's differences yeah. and they, we really want to create space to understand and allow our audiences to get there. I think she's earned the right to just now exist. I think everybody has. Laverne Cox is in the same boat for me. I think in order to be truly equal and truly inclusive, it's like it's no longer a talking point that they're trans women. They're just women. And yeah, like they're like, just on just here them... for their own accolades and for their own accomplishments. Yeah, like it felt like Gwyneth did this when they did their interview and it was like she had to do a trans 101 and it was like... Well, she probably, her audience has no idea. Sure. But Jan and I, I, and I'm glad she has her own podcast so that she can explore the issues and themes and, and nuances because I think she she's earned it. Absolutely. As we all do as people. Absolutely. Um, I've saved the biggest for last. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ooh. This is not original. This is not new. But she fell a few weeks ago and hurt some ribs, broke some ribs. And it just made me realize her mortality. to work the next day. <laughs> it just made me realize her mortality and the fact that she's old. And we, she won't be around forever as much as we wish she was. And I think that despite her fierce intellectualism and all the footage of her pumping iron at the gym, we may not have her for much longer. And I mean, knock on wood, I, I don't think she's going anywhere, but you know, it just yeah. really made me realize and she deserves to be celebrated. Women need to know who she is. And I just want to express gratitude for everything she's done in her career to champion equality before the law, which is a concept that, you know, we did an episode about RBG, which is the documentary about her uh, back a few months ago. And the concept of equality before the law is fascinating to me and, and I want to learn more about it. So gratitude to the notorious RBG. Um, also gratitude for Crystal from The Read, which is a podcast that I listen to that she does with um, her BFF. And it has basically, it gives me the opportunity to just think about my privilege for an hour and a half. And she is like honest and open about the um, nuances and struggles that queer people of color face. Mm. But it's also done in such a way that's like, again, you feel like you're having coffee with someone and it's so warm. And um, I feel like I learned so much from that show and I really look forward to listening to it. And I think that they're truly doing the work and also calling people out and they do, you know, black excellence and they just, they shed light on stories that need to be told. Cool. Do you have anyone else on your list before I get into a few honorable mentions? I have, uh, I have, the only other lady I have on my list is uh, Hillary. And just continuing to hold space and gratitude for, you know, and I think even just like seeing House of Cards and kind of the, we got to see how brooded, how battered and bruised we what we do to women in politics. And it just continues to give me such a profound, like feeling of gratitude for Hillary and, and the work she, that she's done and the work that she continues to do. And, and I hope she still feels seen in her journey and her experience and that she knows we still love her. I love it. Amazing. Um, honorable mentions. I'm pouring an extra glass of red wine with my Thanksgiving dinner uh, for Cynthia Revo, who 
is a Broadway superstar. She was from the West End. She came to Broadway to do The Color Purple, won her Tony. I met her after she won her Tony, which was very random because I was stalking the red carpet. But beyond that, <laughs> she I follow her on Instagram, and she is not only an incredibly accomplished Broadway star, but she is also... Um, What's that really intense form of workout that people do? CrossFit. She's a CrossFitter. Oh, boy. Um, And she also is in a ton of movies, not the least of which being Widows, which is coming out very soon. And I cannot wait to see it. So she's a star on the rise in Hollywood right now. And I just she's brought me a lot of inspiration this year. Amazing. Um, And Tig Notaro is another woman I want to give a shout out to for her authenticity and her bravery and just the way that. You know, we talk about female storytelling, obviously, so much on this podcast. You have to watch her show. Have you seen her show? Yeah. You have seen it. I have, yeah. And she really just put it all out for everybody to see. And I think that the bravery that that takes is not to be overlooked. And I think that she's incredible. Absolutely. I'll be pouring a half glass of Prosecco (laughs) during my Thanksgiving dinner Um, for women who ran for office and didn't win. Uh, Women like Sarah Hammer from Massachusetts, who ran for state Senate and who challenged decades of the patriarchy only to walk away defeated. I want to thank you for cracking the glass ceiling for us and thank you for your resistance and thank you for pushing us all forward. I mean, we've got centuries and centuries of subconscious bias that we have to blow through. And I think there are a lot of women that, you know, didn't quite get there, but we got to keep pushing. Amazing. I would also like to thank uh, our Beaver Talk family, anyone who listens or supports or who, um, you know, for whom the holidays are exhausting. Just know that we love you guys, and we are so glad that you're, you've been on this journey with us, um, especially Kent, who I guess will be our first man of the women we're thankful of. An honorary woman. Yeah, who just listens to us chat for hours and hours and hours. God bless him. And to continue the love fast, I'm thankful for you, Erin. You know this. Oh, and you, Diana. But, you know, to have this space is not something I take for granted. To come and sit across from you at the Beaver Talk table is a joy of life. Agreed. It's one of my favorite things. Happy Thanksgiving, all the Bettys. I hope you enjoy your four days of rest. And uh, we'll see you next Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.